Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly in Youngsville, Louisiana, where it's our vision to be a place to meet with God. We pray that you will find this message to be both encouraging and empowering as we go deeper into the Word of God through Spirit-empowered, life-giving, Christ-centered ministry. For more information about First Assembly or to catch up on previous messages, you can visit our website at firstassembly.place. Hallelujah. Let's get right into the word here this morning. If you have your Bible, can you turn with me to the book of Matthew? We're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter four. And as we've been talking about these past couple of weeks, lessons from the wilderness. And we're just going to wrap up this series in part three as we look at lessons from the wilderness. And we're going to look at Jesus as he withstood the enemy, Satan, there in the wilderness after he had been fasting for 40 days. Come on, has anybody here ever fasted 40 days? I want you to know, I fasted like this morning. I haven't ate breakfast yet. I'm pretty hungry. So I can about imagine how 40 days in the wilderness would feel for Jesus. You know, Jesus is the son of God. He was fully God and at the same time, fully man. And Jesus, as he was baptized in the Jordan, the, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness for one purpose, to be tempted and tested by the devil. And we see here that Jesus overcomes through the power of the word. Amen. And at 40 days, how many of you realize that that was probably within Jesus's lifetime, one of the weakest moments of his life? And having not eaten, you know, he has no sustenance left. He's not being nourished by anything other than just who he is. His flesh is weak. I want you to know that one of the lessons that we've learned here is that in our weakness, come on, the enemy, sometimes that's exactly where he tries to tempt us and draw us away. Come on, although Jesus says, though, he says, though I am, Paul says, though I am weak, Lord, you are strong. Come on, how many of you realize that we need to learn this lesson that we have to rely on the Lord for our strength? Because it's in our weakness that the enemy is going to come against us. And there were three temptations there specifically in Matthew 4, uh, verses 1 through 11. I'm not going to read through all of that. But it says that the first temptation the, the, the devil says to Jesus, he says, if you are the son of God, then take this stone and turn it into bread. Right. If you are the son of God, we learn that that Jesus is or the, I'm sorry, that the devil is always trying to tempt us with our identity, who you are, Jesus, if you are the son of God. You know, that lesson one, we learn that Jesus is is being tempted in his very identity. How much does the enemy try to tempt us in our identity? Come on, I've never or uh, well, I've had it said many times that, well, you know, if you're really saved, Joe, then you'll maybe not do this. If you're really saved, this maybe you'll go do this. Come on, how many of you know we need to be comfortable in our own skin? Right, Troy? <laughs> we need to know who we are through Jesus Christ. Come on, we don't find our identity in this world, but we find our identity in our heavenly creator. And we learned that, that, that we weren't actually even created for the wilderness. Well, God created us and he put us in a garden. He wants us to, to be in his presence, in his manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, that God wants to be with us. The enemy comes and he tests Jesus in his flesh. And Jesus overcomes by what? The word of God. He says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every word. And that word there is the rhema word. Come on, we got to get into the word. How many of you realize that without the word, we are lost? 
That this is the revealed word of God. That this is who God says he is. Come on, there's a great move that says the Old Testament is no longer relevant on this earth. I want you to know right now that, that as these apostles and the disciples and even Jesus, as he began to quote, you know, Jesus never quoted a single scripture out of the New Testament. Come on, that, that tells you something. I mean, not, not one, Doc. Come on, he's quoted many times in the New Testament, having been quoted, what, the Old Testament, that we need to make a recognition that, that the Word of God, the Old Testament and the New Testament, is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof. Right? Come on, when, when, when Paul was writing those words to Timothy, there was no New Testament yet. That we need to get into the Word of God, and we need to understand who God is as He reveals Himself in His Word. But we also need to learn to dwell in the very presence of the Lord, that rhema word, that right now spoken word of God. Come on, I believe on more occasions than I can even count, and I've shared a few, that, that God spoke to me something specifically, whether it be a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a word of prophecy, a word of encouragement for someone that, was, that needed just to be filled up for that moment. I remember one specific time a friend of mine came, called me at, at midnight, one o'clock in the morning and says, my daughter, I don't know where she is. She, she's, she's ran away. I can't find her. Would you come and pray? I go to his house and we begin to pray. And God just begins to give me a vision and a word of knowledge right there. And in the town of 160,000 people with probably about, I don't know, 50 hotels or so, God showed me exactly the hotel, exactly the ho hotel room where his daughter was. And we hopped in the truck. I said, I told my friend, I said, hey, uh, I mean, it's late. I know you don't got nothing to do. So while we're praying, let's go take a ride. And we drove directly to the road, to the hotel, to the room. We pulled right to the front of the, into the front of the door, knocked on the door, and his daughter opened the door. Don't tell me that the rainbow word of God isn't real. I've experienced that in my life. Come on, we recognize that, 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 that the enemy says, he says, he tells Jesus to go put yourself on a high place on the pinnacle of the temple and cast yourself down. Come on, he begins to test our soul, to test our pride, to test our emotions. Come on, how many of you realize that Jesus is tempted with his emotions? If he's tempted, we can be tempted within our pride. How many times is, does, do we find ourselves in a position of authority, a position of prominence? And just be presumptuous enough to think that we put ourselves there. Come on, the enemy begins to... To tempt Jesus in that he tempts us that if we just would cast ourselves down. Come on, you can sacrifice yourself at the altar of praise. Well, how many of you realize that Jesus, it wasn't Jesus's time to be revealed, that, that the enemy wanted him to cast himself down? He says, look, the angels, they'll, they'll pick you up. Come on, Jesus, I, I mean, right now, you don't have to go through all this pain, the suffering of the cross. You don't have to go through that right now. If you jump off of the pinnacle of this temple, angels, will, everybody's going to know who you are. I mean, it's going to be no doubt. But Jesus said, no. He said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He says, no, I've got a mission to accomplish. I'm not going to shortcut what God has for me. You know, in the wilderness, we have the ability, just like those Israelites, that in that time, God fed them day after day after day with manna. Do you realize that that manna represents the mercy of God? God says in his word that mercy, his mercy is new every morning. You know, as they're walking about, they're, they're hungry. They don't have provision for the next day. That and every morning they would wake up, there would be manna on the ground for them to pluck up, for them to eat from. And it would be their provision from one day to the next day. That mercy requires trust. That living in the wilderness requires trust. 
that we have to put our faith in, in God and his mercy. Come on, we don't have to worry about all the things that are going to happen tomorrow. Right now, right now, if you have something that this next week, just, just let that next week worry about next week. Come on, we have enough to worry about today. Come on, today we're in the house of the Lord. We're in the house of God. We're here to praise God. Let's just be in that moment. I believe that that's exactly what, what Jesus was being tested at. We need to be in the moment that we're in every day. That, we, that he's beginning to teach us lessons about faith. Come on, how many of you realize that Jesus, he's, I mean, he has the ability to turn this stone into bread, but he says, man does not live by bread alone. I know that I can do this miraculous work, but that's not going to keep me and sustain me for in my future. That I have to get into the word of God. I have to begin to trust on the truth of God's word. You see, we don't need to try to do in our flesh what God wants to do in his spirit. You know, how many times do we fall temptation to what we try to accomplish what God's doing in the spirit and we try to kind of go around and make it happen ourselves and do in the flesh what he intends to do in his spirit. And that brings us to today. If you have your Bible, let's look at Matthew 4. We're going to be in eight in verses 8 through 11. Come on, if you're there, can you say Amen. Come on, if God is good, can you say amen? Amen, amen. amen. Verse 8 says, Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Can we right now, can we just go to the Lord in prayer and just ask the Lord to be with us and begin to speak to us in this word? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, right now I ask that your Holy Spirit will just begin to penetrate our hearts. Lord, that the manifest presence of God as it's here, as we just engaged you in worship, Lord, that it says in your word that, that, you're, that you dwell upon the praises of your people. Lord, we believe that your name is high and lifted up in this place. Lord, I pray that you can just begin to give me the words to say, Lord, begin to, to penetrate uh, our hearts, Lord, that you can just begin to speak that rhema word even today, Lord, as we just come before you. And it's in Jesus' name. That we pray. Amen. 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 So we see here in this story that the devil. It says here. The devil himself comes to Jesus. And takes him up into an exceedingly high mountain. And in that high mountain. He begins to show him all the kingdoms of the world. Come on. If you think about that. That's a pretty high mountain. I mean. Even if you go on the top of Mount Everest. Which is the highest mountain in the world. How many of you realize that you can't see all the kingdoms of the world. All you see is just more mountains and more snow and no oxygen. Right. And if you take your gloves off to take a picture, your, your, your fingers get frostbit almost instantaneously. You know, I don't believe that, that, that the devil took Jesus up to any high exceeding mountain. I believe he took him to somewhere in the supernatural where he can see in an instant all the kingdoms of man and all the kingdoms of this world. Come on. Do you realize that that that? He probably saw all the kingdoms, not necessarily the places, but, you know, kingdom is different than a place. A kingdom is made up of what? Of people. 
all the kingdoms of people, all the kingdoms of man, all the kingdoms of this world. He took them up into that high place. And, you know, then it may seem even almost like impossible. Like this is some supernatural feat that the enemy takes Jesus up and he begins to just see all the kingdoms instantaneously all at once. But, you know, what seems supernatural then now may not seem so supernatural. Come on, how many of you have been on Facebook or social media or if you're looking at on the news media and all these other things? Today, we have the ability to see multiple kingdoms instantaneously all at once. Come on, what seemed impossible 2,000 years ago now doesn't seem to be so impossible. You know, so we can connect with multiple cultures, multiple kingdoms, all instantaneously right here on an iPad or on an iPhone or for you other folks, the Androids. But the problem with the social media and the problem with all those kingdoms that, that, that the enemy tried to tempt Jesus with is that we typically only see the glory, right? We only see those highlights. Come on, how many people think that, well, this person must obviously live on the beach, right? They must live at Astroworld or Disney World or wherever. Because every time they post a picture, it's like, man, does this person actually do anything besides just go visit foreign places? You know, we begin to judge ourselves against other people's highlight reels. We begin to judge ourselves and say, you know what, man, I could never attain to this person's grandeur and this person's abilities. You know, I believe that that's exactly what the enemy began to tempt Jesus with. He began to take him up into this exceedingly high place and says, Jesus, listen, right now, you don't have to endure the cross. You don't have to endure any pain. You don't even have to do anything right now. You bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms that God has already promised you. Come on, isn't that like the enemy? He wants to steal what, the, what God wants to give you and give you the false reality of that. Come on, that's what social media gives. It gives us a, some identity confusion, doesn't it? Come on, don't you think that, I mean, have you looked at the models and the people that, I mean, it's like, this is not reality, folks. Come on, go to Walmart. That's the real people go to Walmart. <laughs> That's what real people look like. I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm not kidding. There are real people there. But what I'm saying is, is that what you see on, the, on social media, we try to attain to that. Our kids, they're getting on these, on these iPads and iPhones and things, and they look at these supermodels, and they say, I'll never be good enough because I can't attain to this level of, of beauty. I can't attain to this level. I mean, this person goes to Italy, and then they go to Rome, and then they go to, to Europe, and then they go to, to Africa, and then they're, they're taking a trip to Antarctica. Look, at they're taking pictures with penguins, selfies with penguins. This is, I mean, it's like, I'll, I'll never be good enough. I might as well just shortcut what God has promised me so I can attain to what these people have accomplished. Come on, I believe that God has something more for each and every one of us. That we can't go and look at all the kingdoms of the world and all the kingdoms of men and begin to judge ourselves against that. But God wants to do something real and righteous and pure within each and every one of us. As we submit to not, to not worship the devil, to not worship the enemy, but to worship the Lord and Him alone shall we serve. Come on, we set our, for ourselves unrealistic expectations. Our expectations are unrealistic. It would be like, like we just, you know, I, I, I love watching football. I love LSU football. So, of course, I watch the, the first couple of games till they lose and then I quit watching it because my expectation is that they'll never lose and they're going to win the national championship every single year. Whenever that don't, it's like, well, they're no good. I'm just going to wait till next year. Come on. We have to stand in there. 
when God it doesn't necessarily answer immediately. We need to not be tempted in and drawn in by the works of the enemy. Come on, don't you realize that the enemy, he's deceptive? Well, he doesn't just really come like he did to Jesus. He started with Jesus. He said, okay, Jesus, let's, let's start easy. Turn this, this stone into bread. Okay, no, you're, okay you're not going to do that. All right. So how about this? Just, let, just cast yourself down. That seems very righteous. That would be something that a, a really like a, a son of God would do, cast himself down. Jesus said, no, I'm not going to tempt God. Okay, maybe not this time. Well, how, okay, Jesus, how about this? Just worship me. I mean, can you imagine? How many of us would just be willingly say, I'm going to begin to worship the devil? I don't think he really works like that. Come on, he doesn't just draw us in all of a sudden. He begins to just put the little bait out there. He begins to draw you away, to lure you out, to lure you away from, from the pack, to lure you away from, from, from what God is doing with you. He begins to put little deceptions in your heart. He begins to even... even even put things that, well, the church really isn't the, the move of God, you know. There's other things that you could do that's really what God's wanting to do. Come on, how many of you realize that God, Jesus Christ, His chosen vessel for salvation is the church? Do you realize that, that you are the church? God chose you to accomplish what He wants to accomplish on this earth. He's just waiting for us to, to stand in there and, and do what He's called us to do. I believe we live in a culture today that are just kind of fencing with the enemy. Not that fencing is, I don't, it's like sword fighting. Come on, but at some point we have to say enough is enough. Oh, Jesus didn't just say, okay, devil, you know, try again. Let's go for a fourth time. What did he say? He said, no, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. That's what Jesus said. I believe he said, get thee behind me, Satan. He, if you look at many translations, as I look through, I mean, a half a dozen. He says, get away from me, Satan. Go away, Satan. Be gone, Satan. Get out of here, Satan. Get thee hence, Satan. Away with you, Satan. Go, Satan. Come on, enough is enough. Sometimes we just have to put our foot down and say, you know what? Satan, I'm not going to allow you to tempt me. I'm not going to allow you to draw me away. I know what you've called me to do. I know who I am in Christ. I'm no longer going to play these games with you anymore. And then, and then it says that the angels came and began to minister to Jesus right there in the wilderness. Come on, I believe that God is calling us, each and every one of us, to such a time as this. To a time of pure worship. That we need to stop living on the edge of the battle line. Come on, many of us, we just, it's like we play with the devil. It's like we just, we kind of go to the very edge. So that way we can always say, you know, I'm just walk, walking in grace. I'm just believing for God. But come on, I, I believe God wants us to be overcomers. Not just, I mean, God is able. But come on, he wants us to be overcomers in him. He wants us to do more than enough. He wants to give us his kingdom, not the world's kingdom. Come on, a kingdom of, of, of healing, a kingdom of, of, of miracles, a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of heart change. Think about King David. Y'all, everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. I mean, think about David. I love his heart. You have this great army of Israelites. Now think about this is Saul, who's like, I mean, he's way up there tall. And you, you've got this army of Israelites. Who, who, look, they're not a wimpy army. 
by the way. They've already conquered great armies. They've taken the land. They've possessed it. And they stand on one hill, and on the other hill, there's a, a, the army of the Philistines. And between them in the valley, there's a man named Goliath who's sitting there saying, you know, I defy the armies of the living God. I, I defy the armies of Israel. If you can, if you can conquer me, just send, send somebody down here to conquer me and we'll give up today. Come on, Saul, the king. He says, yeah, man, this guy's pretty tough. And then there's this little shepherd boy who comes bringing cheese and bread to his brothers. You know, he, he, he hasn't even looked at all the reality of what's going on. He's saying, hang on, what is this guy saying? He, he says, what? He, David walks onto the battlefield and, and, and the Goliath begins to taunt him. He begins to tempt him to make him quit. Come on, how many of us have stood toe-to-toe with our addictions, stood toe-to-toe with, with, our, with our bitterness, stood toe-to-toe to our unforgiveness but say, and say, well, but if God, if I forgive them, then, then you know, I, I can't let that go because then they're going to get their way. Come on, how many of you know God doesn't care about who gets which one's way? He just wants to bring restoration into your life, Right? How many of us have stood toe-to-toe with that enemy, with that giant in our life, only to be tormented and tempted and say, you know, I'm going to back down. Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. David says, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine, to defy the armies of the living God? Come on, we need to look at the enemy and say, who are you, Satan, to defy the army, me, as, as God has put me into his very presence. He's made me in his identity. I am now part of this great army of God. Who are you to defy the armies of the living God? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, we need to have that attitude today that says, get thee behind me, Satan. Come on, if you're sick in your body, come on, don't. Look, I mean, I, I've got diseases and I've got things and I've got all this stuff. Listen, I don't let that control my life. I don't let that define who I am. Come on, I said, get thee behind me, Satan. I'll deal with you now, but God will deal with you later. You know, there's a time for war. There's a time that that God has appointed for us to make battle with the enemy. Come on, but we don't need to make that our lifestyle. Come on, I I believe that God's called us to battle, yeah. But I think even more, he's called us to victory. That God wants us to find these times of war and then find times of peace. And it's it's time for us as the church to begin to stand against the work of the enemy. As he tries to draw us away into other things. That we need to say, get thee behind me, Satan. I know who I am. I know what you've called me to do. And I'm going to begin to walk that out. But I want you to know that you just can't kick the enemy out. And expect the lasting victory. You just can't say, get thee behind me, Satan. And he goes, he'll go then. But I want you to know, he's coming back. Come on, Jesus even said that the enemy, the devil, he departed for a more opportune time. Come on, Jesus even taught us. He says, he says I'm going to cast out the demon. He said, but there's going to be, the, the house will be cleaned. It's going to be picked up. Everything's going to be seemingly in order. Everything looks great. You're doing good. Life is great. Man, the, the dishes are washed. The, the laundry's folded. It's like a never-ending unfolded laundry. It's like perfect. The house is sweet. The dog even quit shedding hair. Okay. That's how good it is. God is good. How many of you know that there's the enemy? He goes around like a roaring lion, seeking him whom he may devour. That God, he's going to come up to that house and it's empty. It's unused. He says, the enemy, he's coming. Oh, man, that's an empty house. I'm going to get seven of my potties. 
And I'm coming back. And we're going to be even worse than the first one was. Come on, I want you to know that you can tell, say, get thee behind me, Satan. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. He says we need to worship the Lord and him alone. Come on, and serve him and him alone. That we need to say, we need to begin to fill that house with worship. We need to begin to fill that house with praise. We need to begin to fill that house with service. You know, I, I believe with everything in me that, that God has the ability to, to overcome any work of the enemy. As we say, we're going to serve God. Come on, it doesn't mean that you don't wake up with a sore back or with anything like that. But I'm going to tell you right now that we can begin to praise our Lord. That we can begin to say, plead the blood of Jesus Christ as we did here this morning. And he has the ability to overcome all the works of the enemy. Amen. Come on, God is good. You know, the interesting thing is, is there's a theme that kind of goes on. It's like a past, a present, and a future. It's three-dimensional, the temptations of the enemy. The temptations of the enemy can be three-dimensional, past, present, and future. How many of you realize when the enemy came and, and he told Jesus, he said, hey, here's this uh, rock, can you make it bread, that, that he was playing on Jesus' past. He said, you know, Jesus, that you, you're pretty hungry. Come on, how many of us have, have had moments in our time of letdown and disappointment? Come on, how many of us have said, you know what, I'm not going to go through this again, right? I'm just going to go ahead and, and give in to the temptation of the enemy. How many of us have said, you know, I, th our past is just so strong, but you know what? We can't live in the past. We need to live in the word. That the enemy, he tries to even tempt us in our present, that right now temptation, that even now, as, I mean, I've, I've done it before. The worst time is when it's about 1030 at night and I'm trying to get something done on the computer, right? And then I had this happen the other day. And a little pop-up pops up, says, you got to download this thing. I'm like, okay, I'm just tired. I just want to get done. Boop, hit the button. Now I've got a computer virus, right? Come on, how many of you realize that no matter how bad the temptation is, whether we're tired in the right now, we can't just function in the now. Come on, we just can't function in the past. But we need to begin to function into the future. Come on, that's the third temptation. He says, listen, Jesus, you can, you can skip all the pain. You can skip all the suffering. Right now, I will give you the ability to receive what God has given you, which is not actually true. It's just a temptation. But I'll give you exactly what God's given you right now. All you have to do is worship me. Do you realize that worship doesn't always feel good in the past? Well, man, I don't want to lift my hands. I don't want to worship the Lord. Come on, it's, it's, it's tough. I don't Look, right now, I'm going through all this, God. I've got all this situation going on. Come on, worship isn't about a past or a present. Worship is all about the future. Come on, as we begin to just worship the Lord, it gives us the ability to, to reach into heaven and declare the things that are coming in our lives. Come on, I, I, there's some things in my life that I haven't overcome, but I declare it says by the, by the blood of the Lamb, right? By the word of my, his, my testimony, that, that God is going to give us the ability to overcome those things that I have not yet to overcome. As I begin to worship Him, as Jesus says, John 4, 23. If you want to turn there, you can. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is one of those scripture verses. If you haven't, just write this down on a card. Write this down in your Bible. Put your little Bible flag thing over that. Underline it, highlight it, circle it. Put a little 
parentheses around it. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. This woman who's who's been through had a hard life. How many of you realize that her past could have prevented her from stepping into God's promise? That even the present situation that she was living in could have prevented her from stepping in to God's promise. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ had a had more on, on mind than just who that woman was or who that woman is. But he had more in mind. He wanted to reaffirm and confirm exactly who this woman was going to be. He says, and the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For the father is seeking such to worship him. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Come on, right now, he says, the hour is coming. And now is. I believe that right now, the hour has arrived. Come on, right now, we're living in a time when, when the true worshipers will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Come on, we need to get into the Word, but we also need to function into the Spirit. How many of you realize that worship is, is, is only through Jesus Christ? As Jesus Christ, who died, crucified on a cross... Rose again on the third day. Come on, spent 40 days with his apostles and he ascended into the heavens and even now intercedes on our behalf at the right hand of the Father. That worship is something today that our, that our culture is drifting away from. Come on, we're drifting more and more each day to the practical. We're drifting more and more each day to the efficient. We're drifting more and more each day to the economical. Come on, I want you to see here that worship is about full abandon. It's not practical. It's not efficient. It's not economical. It's obedient. It's sacrifice. It's humility. Come on, we, we have to get to the understanding that when we're in that wilderness moments and the, the, the devil is standing at our doorstep knocking, that we say, I'm not going to serve you, devil, but I'm going to serve the Lord my God and begin to worship our way out of the wilderness. Jesus says, I am the way. The truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. You see, we find peace in our worship as we worship through Jesus Christ, our Savior. An important point I want you to communicate to you today is that everybody wants to kick the enemy out. Come on, I spent many years of my life trying to kick uh, a smoking addiction. I spent many years of my life trying to quit Drinking or, or dipping or cursing or lying or cheating. Come on. All those things are difficult to do. Come on. I, I, I can go into any place and, and ask anybody. How many of you smoke? They'll raise their hand. How many of you want to quit smoking? Those same people will raise their hand. Just quit. It's just that easy, right? It's not that easy. Come on. How many of you realize that we want to kick the enemy out? We want to kick out his work. We want to kick out the rot that he's infested our brains with. The lies, the deceptions, the mistruths. But I want you to know when the enemy leaves, the, the reality is that he's going to take some things with him. Come on, that's how he got there in the first place. Come on, those things that may seem good because they were good then, but they're not good. Right, that little, that little bait on the end of a, uh, of a hook, come on, to the fish, that thing looks pretty good, that little worm there, right? But the only way he's going to escape the hook is to let the worm go. 
Come on, there's all of us that we're living and we want to kick the enemy out. We see the enemy working against us and he's trying to use us and abuse us. But we can't kick him out because we're holding on to those things that he originally tempted us in with. It's time to let those things go. Come on, today I believe that, the, that God is calling the church to a pure repentance. To a pure act of worship. To a pure understanding of who God is. You know, even in, in, the, in the wilderness, as the Israelites were walking through the wilderness, 40 years they were there. Do you realize that they were in captivity in Egypt for 400 years? Captivity, brickmaker slaves. Think about that. And as soon as they're, they're out, of, out of captivity, they're free. Come on, I'm free. It don't take long, you'll find freedom to be a lonely place without Jesus. Come on, we need to find ourselves worshiping God. They begin to worship golden calves again. Come on, right there in the wilderness, they saw the miracles of God performed, the plagues that came, the, just the undoubtable miracles of God, and they begin to complain. Well, what'd you do, Moses, leading us out here to die? Come on, how many of you realize that through salvation we can find our freedom, but we have to be able to, to worship Him in the freedom? Well, we have the ability to live in the promised land, but I want you to know that God wants us to begin to live in the promised land. Come on, we, we're in the promised land. He wants us to begin to live in the promised land. Come on, how many of you are living in the promised land today? I believe God wants us to live for him. He's calling us to worship him. Come on, I like to say many times, I kind of pick on David. I said, David, go worship the Lord. And if you have to, sing a song too. Come on, worship isn't just about music. Come on, worship is about a lifestyle. It's about a life change. We're all worshiping something. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 5. It says, and we have such trust, trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Come on, can you say that? Say my sufficiency. Come on, let's say that together. My sufficiency is from God. Come on, let's say it again. My sufficiency is from God. Come on, we all have gifts and abilities, but as we recognize and understand that our gifts, talents, and abilities come from the Lord, then we have the ability to apply those in a more pure, fashionable sense. That worship comes from a pure attitude of trust. Do you know that? Worship is all about trust. At the end of the day, that's what worship is. It's saying, you know what, Lord, I'm going to abandon all these other things. I'm going to trust fully in you. Come on, how many of us worship our, our jobs? Or we worship our governments. Or we worship other things, our, our relatives. When in reality, we need to put our full trust and weight on the Lord. Come on, Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Worship is about humility. Come on, how many of you realize it takes a little bit of humility to get excited about the Lord? Come on, do you realize that David, that David, that, that same David that, that slew the giant, that same David that looked at Philistine in the eye and said, who are you? That he's, he's stripped down just into his skivvies and he's dancing before the Lord, singing before the Lord. How many of you realize that that takes humility? And God began to work in David's life. 
I believe that many of us, we don't see the work of God in our life because we don't allow God to work in our life. Well, we are so stiff necked and prideful. We get the I mean, I live that way. We all live that way. God wants us to be abandoned before him in humility and openness. Worship is openness. I remember we grew up in a I grew up in a very small church in a small, very small setting. So and, and worship, you can pretty much hear everybody sing. Everybody. The good ones and the bad ones. Come on, how many of you realize, but that's not what it's about. Some of us may say, well, I don't sing well, so I don't sing out. But, well, you know, the Lord says we need to sing before him. That's a reasonable act of worship. Come on, in that, even in that small church, God had, could get used to use that woman to speak to me on multiple occasions. Now, it wasn't during worship, but she would speak to me on multiple occasions. Come on, God wants us to sing out. He wants us to lift our hands. He wants us to be open and, and, and to him and his spirit. As we begin to open our in spirit and in truth. You know, our worship is founded in truth. We can go worship. He didn't just call us to worship. He calls us to worship in truth. Even in Revelations, as, as the angels and the elders and all the hosts of heaven, they begin to sing out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. That we need to have the attitude to worship out of the wilderness. Just the same way that Jesus had his mind and his heart set. He says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. This semblance of what this is, the very cross of Jesus Christ, has the ability to transform our hearts, has the ability to transform our minds. We hope that you found this message to be both a blessing as well as challenging. If you would like more information or to leave a comment or prayer request, please visit our website at firstassembly.place. Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly, a place to meet with God.